Skeleton Squad up. Back from Skankfest. Sorry, the show was a little late. Uh, I'm alone in my house. I will be joined by my stalwart producer, Michael Harrington, later in the episode, I think. We were supposed to do this yesterday, and uh, I had some plumbing issues in the old cribbo. Um, <clears throat> as you know, I'm your host, Chris, from Brooklyn. I'll explain the plumbing issues. I came home. There was a, uh, a, a, a clogged bathtub in my home. Uh, I tried to uh, drain it, plunge it, wouldn't work. Nothing was going down, um, and I have a leak. I have a leak out of the thing, so it was, it was it was in danger of overflowing at any moment. I could have lost my entire uh, uh, bathroom situation. I had to deal all day with trying to get a plumber over here through my building because they are scumbag, slumlord pieces of shit. Fuck you, Bronstein Properties. Um, <clears throat> but we're back from Skankfest. Uh, it's been... It was a great weekend, but look, the real talk of the town, the greatest festival in the history of Houston, we got to talk about Astro World Fest. All I kept thinking about was Astroland and Astro, Astro, Astro. If you're a New Yorker, you know what that means. That was the shittiest uh, theme park in the history of the world that people loved for some reason in Coney Island. It was dog shit, and people like wept when it closed. The new Luna Park is amazing compared to it. I always say this about uh, Astroland. It was this crazy thing. So uh, this company, Thor Equities, bought it. And nobody used to go to Coney Island. Literally, like there was a couple of weekends a year that they made all of their money. Nobody used to go out there. But Thor Equities bought up a bunch of the land out there. And I almost think these fucking evil fucking billionaires, because the, the, the land was only zoned for amusements. You can't put buildings there. But they were like, no, nah, we're going to put buildings here. And it freaked everyone out. And literally everybody was like, this is the last year of Coney Island. Coney Island is closing. Like they somehow thought they were going to build up the beach. Like beachfront property isn't worth something. They were like, everything in Coney Island is going to be gone. Meanwhile, it was only supposed to be one park that was closed. And they were going to build a couple of buildings. And then... I'm talking about, like, I used to go, I went to Coney Island once with D, who you know from this show, that's my buddy. Uh, we went over there, we were sitting in my house when I lived back in Sheepshead Bay, years and years ago. And this before, you know, this is actually after they built the stadium, so like, Coney Island was trying to mount a comeback. But we're sitting in my house, stoned out of our faces, and I go, dude, let's just go to Coney Island. We're both bored, nobody's around. Let's just go. We were there for about five minutes before he was like, let's ride the cyclone, eat a hot dog, and get the fuck out of here. It was depressing as shit. And literally the threat of it going away made people start, because that's what you really want. Nobody wants to go to an amusement park alone. You like it when it's a little uncrowded, but you still need people around. It needs to not feel, it, it, doesn't, it needs to feel like it's not blighted. A blighted amusement park is a strange thing. It feels like it's actually dying from lack of nutrients. Nutrients, of course, being fat idiots. Um, you've, you don't feel, you can't have fun at an amusement park that feels like it's actually dying. It's an organism without sustenance. Sustenance being the money of rubes. We all know that that's the lifeblood. The lifeblood of the amusement park business. But anyway, Astro World Fest, which is Travis Scott's music festival that he headlines himself two days in a row, was in Houston, opposite Skankfest, which, I mean, thank God. Maybe we would have gotten some protests, but... Uh, eight people were trampled, the youngest being a 14-year-old boy. Um, at a concert, they said it was the deadliest concert since the shooting in Vegas. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Shooting in Vegas, 75 people shot. This is a little different. Tramplings happen at concerts here and there. They're always, uh, I guess, a travesty. I mean, the real travesty is, uh, no pun intended, 
is that these people were going to see uh, Travis Scott and Drake and then died. And all this stuff started coming out about it. Everybody, we kept seeing people when we were talking about it. Everybody made the joke, obviously, on stage. But how funny is it that all the shit we all catch and there's just eight people died at a different festival. And here's what the crazy thing is. I don't know if you guys saw the theory that um, they said that one of the security guards who had been trampled had a needle prick in him. I'm guessing that was a steroid needle because there's no way people were going around. The theory was that people were injecting people with drugs so that they would while out. What would they be injecting people with? Meth? Who injects people randomly with meth at a Travis? I mean, I guess, I suppose it could happen, but it's like we've almost gotten to the meme level of uh, with, with things that we think might happen at stuff. Where it's like, it's like nobody's ever given out edibles to a child. There's never been one case. But we talk about it every year. We talk about it. Personally, I kind of want to just give some kids some edibles one day. Send them home to their parents high as fuck. And they'd be like, why are you eating all this candy? Because they're children. That's why they're eating all this candy, right? But let's talk about Skankfest. Skankfest was fucking great. Um, I did... 10 spots. I did spots nearby. Shout out to the boys at uh, Rudyard, at the, the, the guys who run the show at Avant Garden. Uh, that was a bar I did a spot at out there. I did two spots around Houston on Thursday and came back to the kickoff party, did some drinking. Um, then Friday, did the live part of the problem. I think somebody bootlegged that. It's up on Reddit somewhere. Go check that out. Fucking did 10 minutes with, uh, what a great show. Uh, Dave Smith, Sam Tripoli, Robbie Bernstein, Ryan Long, myself and here's the thing is like I don't know Sam Tripoli like that I honestly never listened to Tinfoil Hat uh, I know he's a cool guy people people get along with him I've hung out with him at Skankfest before but we don't really know each other like that this motherfucker is on some shit he really wanted to, I gotta go listen to Tinfoil Hat now cause I didn't know half the shit he was talking about I was just trying to tag it with jokes as quickly as possible that motherfucker can go I don't know if anybody who's listening to this listens to that I assume there's some overlap but Jesus but he came up to me afterwards, and that's like a big deal, because I don't know him, but I know he's a big-name comic. You know, Dave knows how I do. Ryan knows how I do. I'm open for him on the road. Robbie knows how I do. We're on tour. We're in Albany coming up. We're going to be in Chicago in November. Check RobbieTheFire.com slash shows for dates. We got a bunch of shit coming up. And, of course, I will be December 9th. I'm headlining the Tiny Cupboard in Brooklyn. You go to the Tiny Cupboard's website, or just go to the pinned tweet on my Twitter, at Chris from BKLYN. Tickets are free. In advance, or $5 at the door, I've got Shane Smith and Zach Amico on that with me. Those guys are two of the... Have you never seen those guys? Have you never seen Shane Smith live? Holy shit, is he one of the funniest guys. He's, in my opinion, I feel like Mike Vecchione has been called the most underrated comedian in New York so many times. It doesn't matter. It doesn't hold water anymore. Shane Smith is truly the most underrated comedian in New York City. But anyway, we do the live part of the problem. Then, um, you know, first of all, I'm sure you all heard, Harrington, new Ellis Mania champ, the Yo Kratom champion right now. Shout out to the good people at Yo Kratom who also own our sponsor, Yo Delta. You know who Yo Delta is. They are the home of Delta 8 THC. Delta 8 is legal in a lot of places that regular THC is not. So if you want to get high without getting hassled, you go to YoDelta.com, use the promo code GAS and you're going to get 25% off your order. Met the Yo Kratom guys down there. They're cool as shit. We got dinner together. They rented a mansion. Cool motherfuckers. But anyway, so next day, uh, Saturday night, 
Did a couple spots in the box during the day. Very fun. Very, very fun. Um, then judge the naked roast, uh, which is a crazy thing. This is how much I love it. So Lewis texts me and he goes, Doggy, I need you to judge the naked roast. And I'm like, fuck. I don't really want to do this. I did it two years ago. I feel like I've like evolved a little. Don't make me do it again. Right? That's the kind of thing you ask as a favor for somebody. When they're, when they're doing something, I didn't really want to do it again. But I call Zach, and he just goes, I was like, I was like, look, man, I, I got some trepidations about doing this. I don't really want to do it. And he goes, come on. It'll be fun. All in. I was instantly, instantly all in. All in with this thing. I was super excited to do the Naked Roast. And I'm hyped. Like, yeah, I'm in better shape than I've been in in years. I've been working out a lot. I lost 40 pounds during COVID. Fuck it, I'll do it. I'm on the dais with El- Jason Ellis. Packing, by the way. Steve Renazizi. Let's go. Fucking. Then get the call. For- I figured this shit would be on Friday. Oh, doggy, it's on day three, right after you've been drinking with savages for three straight days and you're shoveling no- dick shrinking nose drugs into your face. God damn it. So now I've got to like watch what I eat for two days. Didn't drink that much. Drank a lot of water. Didn't get too hammered. Thursday, Friday. So I could go and do this. And I'll tell you, it was a blast. I was fucking killing it. Since nobody could ever see that, he had two big fat guys on stage. And I looked at them. I go, Zach, what is this? A roast battle or the last scene in Hereditary? That was the best line I caught on the whole show, uh, in my opinion. Zach uh, hung two beers from his cock and had two guys try to chug them off of strings at the end of his cock with their hands behind his back because he's a psycho. He is a psychotic motherfucker. Um, I called out Renazizi for uh, the 9-11 thing. I told him I had friends who died on 9-11. He said, really? I said, no. See how fucking easy that is. Because that's all he would have ever had to fucking do instead of like live with this fucking lie. Nobody would have fucking judged him. You get caught up in a thing, just make it up. Granted, I planned on doing that. But still counts. Fucking got that motherfucker. Fuck these fucking LA motherfuckers, right? That's the thing that pisses me off. Like, that's the only thing that's kind of weird about Skankfest. Like, some of these guys who aren't, like, obviously not Hinchcliffe. He's always been cool to me. Steve was very cool after that. Sam was cool. Ari's great. But some of these guys, I don't know. They're just there. They're there for the festival. They're there to be on the festival. But they're, like, mad that nobody knows them. And it's like, well, I mean, you hang out at the comedy store. I get it. Like, that's cool and shit. But it's like, and these guys are comedy nerds. Some people know you. Obviously, people knew who Brian Moses was, right? But, like, it's like, maybe they don't know who everybody is on this thing. And like, some people just get kind of annoyed by it. And it's like, they don't know who I am. And they're like, why are people happy to see this douche? It's like, people are happy to see me because I'm on all the shows associated with the fucking festival. All the time. It's at a point where people are just like, whatever. I guess I'll do these spots. It's good stage time. It's like, yo, this is the most fun anyone's had. In two years. In two goddamn years. We shut down all of the things. Right? And then now we finally get to do this. It's like, I don't want to deal with a... Some girl brought me up. Some LA chick. I was supposed to be last on this show in the box. And we're doing past the mic. We didn't have a host for those shows. Because there's no point paying a host for those shows. You just pass it comic to comic. And she goes, what's your name? I said, just say Chris Vega. Just say High Society Radio. Everybody here will at least know that name. Maybe some of those people don't know this show, but they definitely know High Society Radio because we've been on gas for so long, and they'll associate me with that. 
She gets High Society Radio wrong. She gets Chris Vega wrong. She just goes, it's like Chris, I, high something. And I just open the door and I go, give me the fuck. I go, Scott Steiner, I, give me the fucking mic. Gets a huge pop. And I come out. She goes, I was thinking about moving to New York. And that was my first interaction with New York comedy. And I don't know if I can handle it. And then she finds me on Instagram and blocks me. What a fucking bizarre fucking interaction. What's your Instagram? I don't know. I tell her. And now I can't find her. So I assume she just blocked me on Instagram. Which, rude. And I was like, I don't think I was particularly rude. I just wanted to get a pop out of the crowd. I was just like, come on. Give me a break. Right? It made it, made it less awkward. If I had just come up and been like... That's, some people think you're always supposed to be schlumpy when you do this shit. You can be self-deprecating at all times. But you should never just be frumpy and fucking mushy. It's fucking... I mean, whatever. It works for some people. Right? Fucking... I saw Robbie Goodwin versus Mike Rainey. Robbie fucking killed being kind of fucking socially awkward on stage as people just shitted on him because they really wanted to hate him. And uh, Rainey did a great job. was very fucking mean. But Robbie just fucking... He just kind of got goofy with it and killed it. It was a great show. Then, obviously, like I said, the fights... Kim Cognon beat up Ali Mikofsky in an impromptu fight, punched her dead in her face, tapped to strikes Ali Mikofsky. Great. The roast of Luis J. Gomez was great. I would say if you can still find any of those uh, things anywhere, just go find him, listen to him. So much fun. So, so, so much fun, all the shows there. But that's enough about that. Let's go talk about another thing here. Let's go with the... Kyle Rittenhouse trial. That's going on right now. Uh, as I record this, I'm recording this on Wednesday. Kyle Rittenhouse has testified, cried on stand, uh, scrunched his face up like a baby. I love. Look, I don't even hate. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna be honest here. I don't hate Kyle Rittenhouse. I don't think he's an evil man. I don't even think he's necessarily racist. I think he very much got caught up in a mob mentality moment on the other side of a bigger mob mentality moment. Um, I don't think he's. I, he's not a bad guy. I, I, he's just a kid. He's a kid who did something stupid. Um, I think he probably should go to jail. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think he's the worst person in the world. I mean, maybe he's got to go to jail for a few, look, here's the thing. It's looking like he's not going to jail and shit is going to get wild when that kid doesn't go to jail. Um, he, but he just, he has to, I mean, I'd say give him a year or two. Uh, he killed a few people, but here's, then there's a testimony where the other guy who pulled the gun out at that same interaction said he aimed his gun at Kyle first. That came out today, and I'm like, well, that's pretty damning. Um, and I don't doubt it, but again, he should never have been there with a fucking open carry automatic weapon. He's 17. I don't even think he was old enough to be, legally carry that gun. Um, I remember reading that in the post, but maybe they maybe that's changed. Maybe that information is different, and I, the post had gotten it wrong at the time. But the lionization of this kid by the right is disgusting. I just want to say it's it's whenever they come out and they go, "This kid's not it." When it was a, when it, when it was Trayvon Martin, when it was somebody that has a negative interaction with somebody. You kind of go, are you guys being assholes? The kid's dead. And uh, now they're just backing up this guy and he's not dead, but three other people are dead. Is he the kid? Especially if that gun was illegal. Especially since he drove two hours. He said he was defending a business. In the grand jury testimony, 
The guy whose business he said he was defending said he never asked him to do that. Sure, it's the place he worked, but if your bosses want you doing that shit, what are you going to do? Why would You weren't getting that OT. If he was getting that OT, if he was getting that OT and they were like, yo, wild out, bong, bong, buck him up, wild west style. If he was getting that OT to kill people, I'd be like, all right, it's probably the boss's fault. Let's put the boss in jail. But he's not getting that OT. You clocked out, dog, go home. You clocked out, dog. You're not supposed to be there today. What the fuck are you doing? And these guys are like, when these kids are, when these guys are just like, this kid's a patriot. He doesn't deserve this. He doesn't deserve to be treated this way. I'm, I literally, every time I go to myself, shut the fuck up, you insignificant pussies. Just shut up. Like you ruined this kid's life. People talking that way ruined this poor kid's fucking life. And I'm disgusted by it. I truly am. Um, I really wish it hadn't happened. Uh, I wish he wasn't going to jail for this. But at the same time, I said it the last time we were talking about this. 20 minute drive to get back there. Throw on a little Bob Marley, boss. I, I went and had an argument with somebody that I was fucking heated at. They stopped answering my phones a couple weeks back. It was a true story. I happen to have a rental car. That had free Sirius XM in it. And I went straight to the Bob Marley channel. No Woman No Cry was on. That's a song about being comrades with other men when your girl leaves you. And it's sad and melancholy, but still kind of happy. Listen to that song three times when you're at your angriest. And tell me you can still fight someone. I don't think it's going to happen. You can't fight another dude. You might hit a chick. And if he was just out there hitting chicks, I don't know, he'd probably be fine right now. All right, moving on. Again, we don't have the sound effects, but we can move on whenever we want. Moving on. Let's talk about another sponsor real quick. The good people at BlueChew.com. You know who BlueChew is. It's an online pharmacy. Uh, what they do is they take you a quick survey, and they give you online chewable tablets which have the same ingredients as Viagra or Cialis in them. And here's the thing about BlueChew. Uh, it comes in discreet packaging, so nobody knows what you're purchasing. I ordered some propranolol from a competitor, uh, and obviously not a uh, Viagra supplement, but I ordered a different thing that Bluetooth does not offer from a competitor. It came in the bag saying the competitor's name. That competitor is known for selling dick pills. So now my neighbors think I was buying dick pills instead of something else that I was getting. I don't want that. You got to send it in discreet packaging. You look cool as shit. So go to BLUEChew.com and use the promo code GOON. You're going to get your first month free. You're just going to pay $5 for shipping for your first month. Here's the thing. you got to pick that highest option. That's where they send you the most of the tablets. You go to BLUEChew.com. Promo code is GOON. All right, moving on. So I don't know if the guys on High Society talked about this last week, but the New York mayoral election has happened. Completely expectedly, the cop has beaten the vigilante. The vigilante being Curtis Lewa, the founder of the Guardian Angels. Uh, he uh, lost his uh, mayoral race, but here's what's great about it. He showed up with a cat to vote. And I'll tell you this. I didn't know Curtis Lewa had 17 cats, or I definitely would have voted for him. Uh, but Curtis Lewa shows up with a cat to vote and goes... 
You're not going to let me in to vote? Fuck it, fight me. He goes, fucking arrest me. And he forces his way in and votes. Curtis motherfucking Sliwa, baby. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought I thought he did the damn thing. Uh, uh, very funny. Eric Adams will be the mayor. And again, I can't stress this enough. I am just curious how much the police union is chomping at the bit to start cracking heads. Because I've talked to cops. I know guys who are cops. I know guys who are married. I know chicks who are married to cops. I know fucking uh, girls who are cops. Um, they are itching to stop the level of disrespect that has been thrown at cops. They're kind of just biding their time. Eric Adams is an ex-police officer, and I know they say he got into the police force to fight the injustices of the police force. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't see how that's a thing. Uh, a lot of guys I know who got in trouble with the cops went into the police academy. A lot of them didn't make it through. But a lot of people when I was a kid, guys who would get into constant trouble, constantly getting arrested, or just like always kind of skirting around it, getting beat up, fucking getting patted down a lot, selling drugs, dumb shit like that. They were all like, yeah, you know, I would be a cop just so I don't get in trouble. Now, I don't know what Eric Adams was doing. They always say it was, a, it was an unnecessary stop and this and that. I don't know much about the guy like that. Uh, there's no real way. There's nobody that's come out and been like, no, he was a fucking hoodlum. So it might not be true. However, guys like that do say, I'll just be a cop. Um, and then those guys are going to have more sympathy towards guys like that. And they're probably going to be like, eh, maybe don't be a fucking dick to him. Um, which is good. It's a good thing. But he absolutely needs to start generating revenue for the city. It's like crazy. We talked about this a couple weeks ago with the uh, Washington Square Park weed thing. I just read another article about a guy who just has a truck in Harlem. And what these places are telling, a lot of these stores that are springing up, are like, yeah, no, it's legal. I can legally sell this. They're not allowed to. Um, and I'm wondering, the, the city needs to generate revenue by locking these guys up and fining them. Well, they don't even have to lock them up. They can just write them $100,000 fines. So by finding them, they can make a ton of money. Um, like they're literally like COVID compliance, in my opinion, the whole vaccine uh, mandate for restaurants, that was just a way to generate revenue. They were going to go into the places that they knew were already making money again, new restaurants, make sure they're checking vax cards and start issuing tickets. It's just like the health department. The health department is there partially to make sure you don't die in a restaurant. But it's mostly there as a revenue generation thing. Because most people, here, here's what a lot of people don't know about the health department in New York City. They go, they come in, and they go into the kitchen. They go, we need to speak to the manager. You tell them where the manager is, usually in an office because they know the health department's coming in. They go sit in the office. You have 20 minutes to get anything you're not supposed to have out of that kitchen, typically. 20 minutes. Do you know how easy it is? You know what I used to do? I used to make mayo from scratch, which is illegal. It is illegal to make mayo from scratch. So I used to make mayo from scratch. Throw it in a bag. I would throw it in a garbage bag and bring it out to a trunk until the guy left, which could take an hour and a half. Now I've got mayo in a trunk. Way worse than just making the mayo from scratch. It's just because you're not supposed to use raw eggs. Here's the thing. This is a classic French recipe. No one's died from hollandaise or mayo or bernays or any of this shit. I mean... Obviously, people have just died because sauces like that have made the French pussy and they dropped down their arms to the Germans. We all knew that, right? 
these fattening sauces make them very sluggish. They don't really want to fight these wars. And this is supposed to be a light thing. Breakfast is supposed to be light. Why do you got to pour hollandaise on it? You know? Egg and ham on English muffin, you'd be fine. So you pour that hollandaise on it, now you're sluggish, you're getting gun-butted by a kraut. That's not what you want. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to eat it now. We live in a different time. There's no Nazis kicking in our doors, except for the health department, those sons of bitches, except for these guys checking these vax cards at these fucking restaurants. I'll tell you this, I've been tested since I've been back from Skankfest. Still no COVID. I bet you didn't see that coming, huh? Huh? But, yeah, I got there just because Curtis Lewa uh, brought a cat to the voting booth. I thought it was adorable. Um, also, cats should be able to vote. They're dickheads. And they're smarter than most people. Um, even a homeless cat. I think a homeless cat significantly more resourceful than a homeless person. Better at begging, too. I have twice in the last two weeks fed homeless cats. Can't remember the last time I gave a homeless guy a sandwich. A lot of times they say they don't want it. Cats, they want the food. They're good people. All right, moving on. So here's a weird thing. I saw that Japan has a one of the most horrible death rows in the world. Uh, they're suing for the lack of dignity. Um, sometimes multiple people get killed in one day. And that, this is what the headline is. It's in the BBC. And it made me laugh um, because I was like, let's see here. Japan death row inmates sue over same-day executions. And I thought they were mad that more than one prisoner gets executed on one day. And the way the J- Japanese revere death, the way that with the, with the ritual suicides and the suicide forest and the suicide planes and the side of things, I'd be like, they'd be like, no, this is my day. I'm supposed to get honored for this. You can't kill me with another person. That's fucked up. That's what I thought this was going to be about. But apparently it's just awful. Uh, if you get the death penalty in Japan, listen to this. Live in fear that every morning will be their last. They just show up and they go, hey, we're getting around to this now. We're just going to hang you. They kill everybody by hanging in Japan. Hanging. Just make them drink some of that Fukushima water. Just glug glug, chug that shit. At least maybe we'll get a couple of X-Men out of this motherfucker. Right? All I'm saying is, but they, yeah, they filed, they, they, they've asked for $22 million in compensation. I don't understand how that helps. How does that help? 100 million yen. How does that help? How does that help if you're dying anyway? You need to reform the system. What does the money do? Although, I bet the ramen in Japanese prisons is excellent. It's got to be significantly. They at least got that Pringle flavored ramen that they have here in the States that they don't use that much. It's got to be pretty fucking good. I mean, look, I, I took a flight on Air Japan once. It was significantly better than any American airline. So I'd imagine also in Japan, you know, almost all the all the public toilets have bidets. I wonder if that's the same for the prisons. I mean, that would make the whole raping a lot less terrible. You know what I mean? If you watch the blood right out of you. Seems like maybe it's not too bad in Japanese prisons if it's a lot like Japanese society. So what? Maybe somebody taps you on the shoulder and goes, hey, it's your day. Hang you. You knew that's what you were there for. Come on. I mean, maybe the hanging's a little much. Yeah. Hanging from a cherry blossom tree seems kind of nice, though. They're very beautiful. Hmm. Something to think about. But again, this is a mini episode. Uh, We're back. This is a little bit late. I'm going to try to go down to the comedy club in a little while, get to to talk to Harrington. We'll do another, like, 15, 20 minutes. 
So we'll get almost an entire episode out for you guys. Uh, but yeah, if, if that somehow doesn't happen, I'm sorry for the mini episode. We'll talk about it next next week. Again, this is a free show. Uh, but you can follow me at Chris from BKLYN on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Mike VM Harrington on Twitter and Instagram. We got to talk to him. We got to talk to the champ about his thoughts and about how sad Dylan was. I got a couple other stories about Dylan from over the weekend because he had a great weekend. Um, actually, you know what? While I'm here, I'll tell you this story. I embarrassed the shit out of myself at the end of Skankfest. I took a little mushrooms and took a little, you know what I mean? I was getting all fucked up last day. Uh, I had no more spots. Um, and uh, I kicked all of the pedals on stage with the comedy, the comedy Jam. And anybody who was there who's listening knows that Josh Adam Meyer said, make sure you don't kick any of these pedals. I did it almost instantly. Oh, my, and I lost my I lost my phone. Lewis threw me off stage at the beginning of the Day of Comedy Jam. I found my phone. I lost my phone. He immediately stops the whole thing. I find my phone, toss it to Justin, and jump right back off the stage. It was retarded. I got off and I looked at Big J on the side and I go, "Sorry, I'm such a hand job, bro. I'm sorry. I felt terrible um, that they had to stop the whole thing." Uh, but to be fair, Justin was just like, "Just tell Lewis. He'll just get your phone back." And they did this two years ago. They got fucking. Christine back her walkie-talkie. And I was like, all right, I don't feel terrible about it then. Not a scratch on the phone. Still works. My phone still fucking works. So shout out to the goddamn Comedy Jam. Josh Adam Myers, if somehow you're listening to this, I apologize. I gave him my number. I said, if I broke anything, I owe you money. And here's the thing. I did it just to throw Colm Terrell off the stage. And I'm sure if you're on Twitter, you can go see the video of him. He looked badass as fuck. I fucking fixed it. I did a good job. It was fun. But I made an ass of myself and I feel terrible. And that guy probably hates me right now. Uh, Jeremiah Watkins also probably thinks I'm a dick. Uh, so I feel pretty bad. Uh, but so if Josh Myers is listening to this, I apologize. I'm an asshat. Um, but yeah, we'll get more into that kind of shit. Uh, I'll talk to Harrington. We'll talk about some of this stuff. Uh, and don't, you know, don't get locked up for murder in Japan. That's going to be bad for you. Uh, I'm your host, Chris from Brooklyn. Good night. Well, I'm here with the champ, Mike, uh, who's, uh, in my eyes, been vindicated twice now. Um, we'll give a little backstory as to why this might sound a little weird. Is uh, We have uh, Paul, the engineer for High Society Radio in the uh, other room. Uh, we're just recording this. This is a little extra to tack on to the fucking mini episode, which is taking days. My fucking modes of transportation are all nullified in Brooklyn. Uh, but I'm sorry it's taking so long. But uh, uh, Mike, you get a lot of shit for fucking up as a producer. Do I? Yeah. I don't even notice. I'm sure you just don't check your mentions. Um, but, uh, however, Paul was just supposed to record just audio, no video for this week, uh, uh, just in Studio B, and uh, 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 just turned, just nod, I don't want you touching anything. Just turned the cameras on. Just, just nod, Paul. He's nodding yes. He just, I said, we're just recording audio. Just turn the cameras on. So, Mike... Vindicated. Vindicated another way. Ooh. Won your boxing match this weekend. Yeah, that's what I'm most, you know. Left the belt at the secret group. No, not really. What happened? Well, it was on a table, and I was packing out the Uber, and before I even got in the Uber, I was like, oh, wait, the belt, and then ran back in. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Like, Chris Jericho actually lost the first AEW belt two days after winning it drunk. That's a 50-year-old man that's had to carry multiple championships. Like... A year ago, you never would have, maybe two years ago, you never would have thought you would ever be in possession of a championship belt that was yours that you had earned. Right. So to, to, to then lose that that, bad, that quickly would be a real problem. Yeah, it's not like you're a professional. 
at this? No, no, no. I'm not a man who who's carrying around belts every I weekend. I mean, you wore it through the airport like a dork. Uh, like a badass is what you mean to say. Like a kratom-fueled yeah. maniac. That's what you did. Yeah, dude, I'm cool. Sorry. Yo, kratom champion. Sorry that I'm cool. Mike Harrington. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, uh, as we said, you were vindicated. You beat Dylan in your boxing match. You know, uh, it seemed like... So some people lost some faith in you towards the end here, this build-up right. to this fight. Right. Now, I just told you why. You didn't seem to know why, but it came out about a week ago that every time you spar... Uh, you vomit afterwards. Um, yeah, I mean, at some point in the sparring, you, right? You didn't think to bring that up in the... This is episode 68 of the show? Yeah. We talk about this topic quite a bit. Uh, you've never thought to bring up the fact that you constantly vomit. I mean, not constantly. What just, if I had bet $20,000 on you and not known that information? Then you now have $40,000. I would imagine you would have had better odds until that came out. Not necessarily. Well, yeah, but that that is what lowered it down to minus 110 aside. You know? Okay. So you're only paying 10% juice on that on 20K. You know, it's 18 grand you're putting in your pocket. That's fair. That's a fair point. You should have put $20,000 on me. Look, you can't bet that much on a prop bet. We all know this. Uh, what's a prop bet about this it? It's a freak show fight. It was a sanctioned professional bout. There was a belt on the line. How much do you weigh more than Dylan? Uh, yeah, fucking, it's not sumo. You uh, want to wear diapers? I weigh whatever I weigh plus a championship belt more than Dylan. Got him. Got mm-hmm. him. And here's where I really thought. Uh, this is where I, I, You got my faith back the night before. Uh, about one... About 1.30 in the morning, I'll say this happened. Mm-hmm. I see Dylan um, in the production office in the back uh, of, the, of, the, of the venue. Mm-hmm. I was going to get one of my hi- hidden beers because I always hide beers in places. Oh, one of your production beers. One of my production beers for, pro- right, right, right. for, for the production that I need. Yeah, yeah, production purposes. So I put those out back by the producers I, uh, uh, for Skankfest. I usually hide some production beers in the production booth. Only, only hidden from, from other comics. Yeah, that's true. They're hiding in plain sight at all times. From you guys. But yeah. you guys kind of look at them and go, ah, those are Chris's beers. He's going to need them. Those are Chris's special production beers. Those are my production beers. That's, that's how I produce what I produce. I mm-hmm. think I uh, I think I crushed it on everything I did this weekend. You done good. Yeah. Uh, uh, everybody saw my cock. Paco uh, came up to me. Nobody saw your cock. Paco you fucking cock. cheated the, the naked roast. You Paco 100% cheated the naked roast. Paco saw my cock. Yeah, okay. He came up to me and was like, why is your cock so big? I'll tell you right now, fucking, well, that's because to him, you know, Every penis is is massive. Okay, uh, it's racist, but okay. No, it's factual. You should see Paco's tiny dick. Um, I remember uh, you came out for the fucking naked rose, right? And Alex and Kim were standing there, right? And they were craning their neck to look at every dick. But you had the shirt and your boxers, no, no, no. draped was, over was, your dick. Uh, uh-uh. I was holding them right here. Uh huh. What I did was, yeah, they were dangling they over dead. your dick. What I did was, I hugged a very fat Zach Amico. Uh huh. Yeah, they were dangling over your dick, and then you hugged Zach, and then you shimmied sideways over, and you never once hung dick. Okay, you cheated your way through the naked rows. Then you have been sitting then, on the side. You would have seen my cock. Then, when you're supposed to come off stage, still fully presenting, supposed to stand up, still dick out, you had fucking sheath underwear on, which you probably got sponsorship money for. I, that I did. All right, so fucking you cheated the naked roast. You were as fucking Steve Renazizi. Steve Renazizi saw my dick. Good for the fucking fourth year in a row because you're the only two hand jobs who keep doing it, and you keep making the same nine eleven joke every year. Oh no, I didn't make that joke before. Okay, um, fucking 
You, you and that fucking bitch who wore the fucking lingerie have something in common. You cheated the naked roast. People saw my dick. Okay. Anybody standing this way or this way saw my dick when I came out. I it was wasn't my idea to drape the fucking table. I was standing side stage. I did not see your dick at all. Were you standing there when I walked out? Yes. And you're fucking, I'm telling you, the shirt was draped over. If you are one of the many thirsty whores who enjoy this program and you were at Skankfest watching the Naked Roast, tell me whether or not you saw Chris's dick. Because I don't think you did. Two right? chicks came up to me and said, nice piece. I talked to Alex and Kim. I said, fucking Chris, he didn't even show dick. And they looked at me and said, he didn't have to. I'll take it. That was actually probably the sickest compliment. That's probably the best compliment you can get. That's so dope. They were like, he was so hot. I was like, he didn't even show dick. They were like, he didn't need to. Golly. Right. Fucking, by the way, we also found out at the Naked Roast mm. that Justin Silver mm -hmm. is 1,000% oh, homosexual. shit. I forgot about this until you're just... This is my favorite story of the weekend. Well, second favorite behind me talking shit about Robbie Goodwin only to find out he was shitting okay. in the bathroom. We'll get to that in a second. We don't have a lot of time. Um... <laughs> But was he shitting in the bat? No, he was just walking by. Oh. He's I thought he heard it all. No. Okay. Well, now I don't feel as bad. Um, so uh, uh, we'll get to that in a second. So uh, we found out at the Naked Roast. So uh, Silver comes up to Justin Silver comes up to me after the Naked Roast. And he goes, he goes, he saw my cock somehow. So I don't know. Mm. He's going, he's going, he's going, I don't know, man. Alex and Kim just kept talking about how hot you are. It just, you know, they did an episode about it. And obviously I know that they did an episode about it. I didn't bring it up on here because it didn't make much sense. I said something to them. They did a whole thing. Somebody wrote a fan fiction where I had a threesome with Alex and Kim, which I'm not going to not listen to that. Makes sense. Um, the Italian sandwich. Yes. So uh, uh, he says that to me. And then come that we're all hanging out in front of the hotel later on. And they were just like, Justin just kept talking about your traps. <laughs> so he was just lying. So, so the story is that Justin, right, went over to Alex and Kim and started talking about how hot Faga was, and they agreed. Mm -hmm. To which Justin then ran to Faga and told Faga about how Alex and Kim yeah. couldn't stop raving about how hot you are. Which, I mean, I'm just glad people are talking, you know? Justin just loves penis. Yeah. Justin is like on the Anything DL. you can snore coke off of. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> um, I don't know if he's ever done gay stuff, but I'm but certain anyway, he has sniffed a line of cocaine off of Did we get dick. to the Dylan thing? No, we didn't get Okay, to. yeah, so... Uh, so I, you, you restored my faith in you because I walk into the production room and he's freaking out and I can't understand why. And I look at Corinne, I don't know, and I go outside, I realize he's supposed to be on stage. And Jamar Neighbors and Shane Gillis have just commandeered the last stage at Skankfest on the first night and are just insulting the audience for a good half hour. Yeah, they went in. Uh, and wouldn't give it up. And then finally, Dylan, Dylan, wouldn't tell me, Dylan wouldn't tell me what was wrong or he would have gotten on stage 10 minutes earlier because I would have just went and told Shane. So what happened was... And he had to wait for Corinne to go find... Because Corinne knew what was happening. Corinne Fisher. Uh, and she wouldn't tell me because she didn't want to embarrass him. But then finally she had to go tell somebody and she went and got Colm Tyrell, who broke up the show that people <laughs> wanted to see, to bring Dylan on stage to close the show. Um, it was at that moment. Well, no, but and she looked at me and she goes, I couldn't do it because then it's like his mom doing it. Which was the joke I made at, on the Real Life podcast two nights earlier. Big, nothing. Incredible. He, uh, he also, though, just to point this out. Right? Like, Corinne was telling him, you got bumped. It happens. It's not that big of a deal. It's a fucking 2 a.m. spot for fucking hammer people. You know what I mean? And he was pouting, and he ran away from he her. He wasn't pouting. He, he was... 
draped across the desk, lightly pounding on the desk. So when I like, came in, so. he was sitting on the so you could still see him from the the doorway, right? And he was sitting on like that little thing, and he his whole body was just crumpled in half, and he was just quietly sobbing. Uh, and I had intentionally, from Thursday when he got there on, didn't say a word to him all weekend. If I was in the room with him, I just stared daggers through him, right? Mm-hmm. Fucking, I would shoulder check him every chance that I got. I wanted him to feel like he was in a hostile environment at all times. Never once said hello to him. The only words I said to him all weekend was, yo, she's looking for you. While Corinne was running around the back looking for Dylan as he was hiding in the production office, right? Okay, so she didn't know about it when I saw him then. She knew, and she was trying to tell him, look, you got bumped. Stop being a fucking crybaby bitch, uh-huh. right? And fucking Dylan, instead of just taking his bump like a man, went and fucking pouted. And then when I told him Corinne was looking for him, he actually got out of the room and ran away from her so that he couldn't be scolded anymore about uh, his behavior. I didn't even know what was going on. I didn't even put it together until column. I would have just gone up and just been like, hey, Shane, Dylan's supposed to be up here. And I'm sure I would just stayed on stage with him and made fun of him, and it would have been funny. Yeah, well, instead, uh, Dylan did get to go up and fucking got booed as he was getting brought up because he uh, was stopping yeah, because Shane people, Hold on, because here's what actually happened. Two people that everybody paid and wanted to see were on stage, and then a third person that people paid and wanted to see was on stage, and then that third person removed the three people that everybody had paid to see and brought up Dylan. Mm-hmm. And now, this is also two hours after he honestly so sh- showed some gumption on the Realized Podcast. What do you mean? It was harder to pull him away from you than I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah, no, I know. He's got a lot of... He's got a lot of wiry little strength in him. It's not... It, it's, and it's... then you beat the shit out of him. <laughs> he well, had 17 people in his corner, you had one, and you just beat him up. Well, I did try to kiss him during that press conference, which was kind of funny, too, because the, the crowd was chanting for it, so I grabbed the back of his head, and I tried to bring him in for a smooch, and he, like, wriggled away from that, mm-hmm. uh, and then wriggled so hard that he fell backwards into the sheath banner and ripped it down. Uh, really made an ass of himself, uh, which was one of my favorite parts of the weekend. Um, and then, yeah, just absolutely, dude, like, I've been talking about it all day. Like, it was like, uh, if you're playing, like, UFC... Right, you know, you have the stamina bar on top. That first flurry of punches, Dylan must have thrown 19 uninterrupted punches in a combination, and they just got sloppier and sloppier as he threw them. He got more and more tired, and that boy was just gassed out after that. Mm. There you go. Mike Harrington, fucking champion. Dude, I got to lace him up to the body, lace him up to the head. The only shots he was landing were like Hadouken uppercuts, like where he, it looked like he was aiming for the body and just. Those are Hoyukins, but okay. We'll whatever. Let it, we'll let it rock. Fucking overextended his whole body so that his shoulder was like popping out of the socket by the time it made contact. It was a silly ass way to fight. Um, but yeah, dude, getting to crowd surf while wearing a fucking championship belt. God, how many people. That's the first time a Skanks audience ran to find Purell after touching a surface. Okay, okay. You were sweaty, and they were fucking holding you up by the back hair like it was the strings of a fucking parade float. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> it worked. They didn't drop me. That was pretty they sick. did not. You, and you were, you, honestly, they probably would have if you had gotten a wax. <laughs> it's true. I would have been too slippery. All right, well, that's it. Good night, folks. We'll see you. I mean, this is coming out late. We'll see you. We're, we're, we're pulling out a full episode this week, correct? Monday, what? we're doing, we're recording the show for Tuesday? Yeah, for sure. Of course. All right, cool. Good night. Uh, show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, 
I tell you we must die I tell you we must die I tell you I tell you I tell you we must die I tell you, I tell you 